0: All right, by a show of hands, how many people here know somebody that has been um, directly affected in a negative way by adultery, by somebody cheating on their spouse? Um, yeah, I think, I think it's probably safe to say that we all do, um, and if you think you don't, it's probably safe to say that you just don't know. Um, but that, in fact, you know, um, somebody who has just been hurt deeply uh, by by a spouse cheating on their spouse. Um, and it, and I don't, if I had to guess, I would say that probably some of us here, specifically have been hurt very deeply by this. Um, and adultery is all around us. It happens constantly, all the time. It's very, very sad. Um, yet, I don't I personally don't see it being stressed enough. Um, I don't see people talking about it enough, and uh, I know a lot of people, everyone likes to talk about, like, don't have sex before marriage, but then they don't want to talk about, like, well, don't have sex with other people once you're married, And, and don't have sex with somebody else's spouse. And I think maybe it's looked over because it's awkward. Uh, maybe it's looked over because it's felt like it doesn't really pertain to everybody. Uh, we don't need to talk about that. Or like, oh, that's just common sense, right? Like, of course, everybody knows that. Even, even pagans know that. Even they would say, yeah, that's a bad thing. So maybe we just don't need to talk about it. And uh, it might seem weird uh, for me to tell a bunch of mostly non-married people um, not to have sex with other people's spouses. And, and, uh, but, but here's why I decided to do it today. So Proverbs can be broken down into three major sections, which are, um, that's in the Wisdom series, that's what we're going through. We're going through a lot of the Proverbs. The first section, chapters 1 through 9, is a section dedicated to give wisdom to young people. The second section, 10 through 24, is dedicated to give wisdom to everybody. And the last section, 25 through 31, is to give wisdom to leaders. And in the first section, one through nine, uh, Solomon, he, a lot of times he speaks as if speaking to his child, to his son, speaking to young people, speaking to us, and maybe even people younger than us. And in those first nine chapters, In chapters 5, 6, and 7, Solomon talks about adultery in each of those chapters three times. Um, Three times Solomon warns us of adultery. I'm going to be transparent here. Whenever I first came to that section, you know, beware of adultery, I thought I can probably just skip this section. And then it comes up again, and it comes up again, and it's like, wow. Like, Solomon really, really wants this message to be conveyed to young people. Three times in three chapters, seemingly back to back, it came up again and again. So before you tune out, know that the wisest man, the wisest king, wants you to hear this. He wants you to know this. He wants you to hear about adultery. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks for the forge. Thanks for bringing us all here together, um, for giving us some sunshine, then some rain, then some sunshine, and some rain. (laughs) Uh, Just, It's awesome what you can do. I pray that you lead us, that you let me say what you want, and you let us all hear what you want. May we learn. May we gain wisdom. May we grow together. May we grow towards you. Thank you. Amen. So, each of the three warnings in five, six, and seven um, they 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 had a lot of similarities, and they all had three things in common. They had three similarities, uh, and that 's that they described adultery as tempting. they described adultery as destructive, and they all gave practical advice on how to reject adultery, on how to stay away from it um, and I want to look at each of these topics from the combination of those three chapters. So first, let's talk about the tempting nature of adultery. Um, All these are going to be in Proverbs. So I didn't write Proverbs over and over, uh, just the chapter and verse. But it says, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Chapter six says, do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Then in chapter 7, we actually see the author get, like, really specific. Like, maybe uncomfortably specific and detailed of the depiction of this adulterous prostitute. Um, it, it talks about her actions, her, how she was dressed. It talked about smells, different smells, um, how she speaks. And uh, the bottom line is that we see, a, we see Solomon paint adultery to be extremely tempting, um, and that the adulteress is extremely persuasive. Um, and I started thinking, like, the way he was talking about this adulteress, I'm like, what? It, like, back then, was there, just, was there just a woman on every corner, like, that you just accidentally bump into them? Like, um, like is this still relevant? Like I know I was talking about this with somebody else a few weeks ago that, like, when you're a kid and they're teaching you about drugs, they make it seem like someone's going to offer you drugs, like, every day, and, like, you got to say no, say no to drugs. Like, this is going to come up all the time. You got to learn to say no. You got to say no to drugs. And then, like, you know, if you're with the right circles, you get through college and maybe get offered drugs, like, twice. Um, But they, like, prepare it to be this, like, everyday occasion. Like, is that... Is that what's going on here? Is he preparing us for this everyday occasion to maybe never happen? Like, are there adulteress on the corners of Carlisle? I've never stumbled into one. But let me, let me assure you that you do not have to go as far as a street corner to find an adulteress. We discussed a few weeks ago that even lusting after a woman, we commit adultery in our hearts. And a lot of adultery is on a screen. And doesn't that make sense? Because we're kind of conditioned to think that life inside these little tiny devices are actually better than the life outside of these. And like, We're always sitting at tables with our friends, and I'm guilty of this. We're sitting at tables with our friends, with our family, and we're all on our phone because we think that the life inside of these is better than the life outside. And people all the time sit at their table of marriage, and they think that the sexual pleasure that they're going to get out of this screen is more real, more important, more satisfying than what they can get out of each other. Adultery comes in a lot of forms, and it's very tempting. Lips like honey, speech like oil, very tempting. Don't think that it will be easy to reject. Don't think that, oh, no, that's, I, I'm, I'm going to be faithful. Don't think that it's going to be easy to reject, at least not without a plan. There's a lot of things that are tempting that promise you this high, promise you these great things, leave you so low. And that's what I want to discuss next is how, um, Sol- what Solomon paints the outcome of adultery to be, and that's destruction of oneself. Chapter 7 describes it as a deadly trap. Well, all at once he follows her, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Walking into adultery is walking into death. It's walking into a trap. And, and it's multiple types of death. Um, chapter 6 Chapter 7 is very metaphoric. It talks, it talks about traps. It's like an animal, like an ox going to the slaughter. Um, chapter 6 is a lot more literal. He who commits idolatry lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation he will refuse, though you multiply gifts. Specifically 34 and 35, we switch from talking in metaphors to talking quite literally. It says the jealous man, jealousy makes a man fierce, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. And uh, do you know what the punishment for adultery was back in the Old Testament? It was death literal death not some metaphor but death like you would be killed and and i think this is what it's talking about like they will not spare mercy like they're gonna go to the full extent of the law you will die now that doesn't happen often anymore i'm not saying it never would in a in a situation where where a jealous man finds you with his wife um but back then, it was real death. Like, that was actually what they were up against. Um, but it's, it's not the only kind of death. Physical death isn't the only kind of death that adultery causes. Um, and, and chapter 5 speaks beyond that to, um, on behalf of your social and economic life. It says, lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. What's this saying? It's saying that you're going to lose your honor. You're going to lose your wealth. Um, And it's like, how's that happen? I've seen it happen. I have seen this happen. I've seen adultery rip families apart. People lose their honor. I know someone who's a pastor of a church, committed adultery, was kicked out of the church, literally got the locks changed on him, and he was not able to go back. He lost his honor. What was his family, what was his job, was all stripped away from him, just like that. Both his church family and his home family. I've seen people build big houses just to be pulled out of it as a product of adultery. I've seen honor stripped and wealth erased from adultery. I've seen the killing of their social and economical life. Because those lips of honey look so sweet, but they, they proved to be bitter. So adultery is tempting. It's destructive. And lastly, I want to just discuss how Solomon instructs us to stay away from it. Uh, between the three chapters, he gives us three ways to avoid uh, adultery. Um, in chapter 7, he says, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend. What's Solomon saying? He's essentially saying, clothe yourself in wisdom. Have wisdom close to you always and good teachings. So that... You're just always going to be surrounded by it. Anywhere you go, wisdom is going to be with you. Anywhere you step, good teachings are going to guide you. To keep yourself from adultery, Solomon is saying, to surround yourself with wisdom and good teachings. And when it it happens that you're faced with a decision, when the adulteress is tempting you with her lips of honey, her persuasive speech, you won't be tricked. You'll already know what to do because you've been carrying around that wisdom and his teachings for so long that when evil pops up, you won't be tricked. Clothe yourself in wisdom and good teachings. And the next tip is to keep a physical distance. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house there's no doubt that temptation grows stronger as we flirt with the line and yet so many times we want to get close to the line we're like okay that's where we're not allowed to go past but like how close can i get to it and i'm telling you as you get closer to that line the temptation on the other side becomes so much more tempting There's a practice called the the Billy Graham rule, or the Billy, yeah, and uh, Billy Graham decided that um, he was never gonna put himself in a position where it was just him and another female other than his spouse in a place together. And uh, he took this so seriously that if he was on an elevator and he was going on the elevator, up or down, and uh, somebody stopped and a woman got on and there was no one else in the elevator, he would get off. And it was no disrespect to the woman, but he refused to put himself in that position of temptation. And uh, I'm not saying that if you're in an elevator and a girl gets on or a boy gets on that you need to get off. I'm not saying that, but the concept is there. Don't put yourself close to the line. Stay far from it. And, uh, and maybe, maybe that is something you need to do. Maybe you shouldn't be in an elevator alone with the opposite sex. That line, that rule, that door that we need to stay away from could look different for everybody. So to avoid adultery, we need to clothe ourselves in wisdom and good teaching. We need to keep a physical distance. And lastly, we need to enjoy the love of our spouse, of your spouse. Chapter 5 says, Drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. We're not talking about water, guys. It's a euphemism. What he's saying is enjoy the love of your spouse and your spouse alone. You're not to drink of the cistern of anyone else's well. And nobody else is to drink from yours. We need to flee from adultery. Don't just assume that you can do it. Instead, you need to plan to oppose it. There's a saying I love, if you fail to have a plan, plan to fail. So here's the plan. Keep God's teaching close to your heart. Wrap yourself in wisdom so that anywhere you go, every step of your life, There's God's teaching to light the way, to guide the way. Run from the adulteress's door. Whatever the door may be, it could look different to everybody, like I said. Maybe it is being in an elevator alone with somebody. Maybe it's being on a computer without anybody around. Maybe it's being alone with, with somebody else's spouse or a person that's not your spouse. Maybe it's driving past the adult store. Maybe you need to reroute a different way. Don't even go near the door. Don't put yourself in a position where the temptation becomes greater. And lastly, we need to enjoy the love of our own spouses. In just a second, we'll break up and uh pray for each other and discuss the discussion question is what does it look like to wear wisdom to wear teaching what does that look like practically functionally and then of course is always pray for each other we'll pray and then you can split up dear god thank you for your teaching thank you for your wisdom thank you for your word that we have your word that that will forever be relevant, and every part of it's relevant. Help us to be able to absorb that how you want. Take the veil off of our eyes to see your truth. I pray that we successfully wrap ourselves in your wisdom and your teaching and your guidance. Help us to run from the door of the adulteress. Thank you. We love you. Amen. You can split up into.